message still resonating with me deeply. Uh, this morning, I want to pick up and call this message Bold Love. <clears throat> Tyler spoke about the Good Samaritan, uh, that parable, uh, in a message called The Gospel Starts Here. Because here was a man who was a Samaritan who put his love into action, and that, that this idea that loving deeds precede a clear presentation of the gospel. The gospel starts here with us showing mercy. Jesus told the parable and said to the guy who was picking at him, uh, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the parable and said, who do you think was the guy's neighbor? And he said, the guy who showed mercy. And Jesus said, now you go and do likewise. Go and be that guy. Go and be the person who shows mercy uh, to people. And don't let your nationality, but, he, but he's a Samaritan, or your theology, but they're sinners, or your status, but these are not our people, or your discomfort, I don't know what to say, or your busyness, I don't have time. Don't let any of that Stand in the way of us showing love, actual love, the steps of physical love. Let's take a step and do something merciful to somebody that we otherwise would not do. Because our perspective and our nationality and our politics and our COVID-related choices and our denominational allegiances are not an excuse enough not to show love. Can I get an amen from somebody? I'm gonna say that again so that you can prepare your amen and we can say it together. Our perspective, our nationality, our politics, our COVID-related choices, our denominational allegiances are not excuse enough to not show love. Amen. Thank you. 1 John 3. This is how we know what love is. This is the benchmark. This is the thing by which we measure all our actions of love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. So this idea in our, uh, is that Jesus said, go and show mercy, go and step out in action, go and demonstrate this love in practical ways. That's the goal. And we're looking at this. The gospel starts here. The gospel that we wanna preach, this beautiful, powerful message starts right here with us demonstrating love to other people. And especially the people who are not like us. Before we tell our stories, before we share our truth, we have to demonstrate this love. But right here, I wanna take a pause in the middle of the sermon because so often when we hear things like this, it sounds like another good piece of spiritual advice, something else that I should add to my should list. I should be doing this, I should be doing that, I should be doing that other thing, and here's another thing I'm gonna to add to my list of things that I'm probably not gonna to get to. And I really don't want the sermon to come across as here's something else you need to be doing, you ugly thing. Because sometimes sermons feel like that in our minds, even though those are not the words people are using. So we're gonna talk about what to do, and then I really wanna talk about how we about, we're supposed to go about seeing that that happens. Because it's not that Jesus gave us a command and didn't give us some power. It's not like Jesus goes, so go, you know, I'm gonna wash you clean, go try harder. No, Jesus revolutionized everything and made it imminently possible for us to walk in the road that he called us to walk in. So let's start with an understanding and then we'll get to all of that. Just two, two ideas that I wanna throw up in your mind and, and then we'll talk about it. Jesus hides among us in plain sight. 
Jesus shows up in plain sight. Let me take you to Matthew 25 to a parable that Jesus told and it, it's, uh, it's interesting. And there's, there's more theological debate about this parable than you can shake a stick at. So I'm not gonna get into the theology. I just wanna touch on it. I want you to get a taste of it and then we'll talk about it. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as shepherds separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left and then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom that is prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. It's fascinating. Jesus separates the sheep and he separates the goat. He turns to the sheep and he talks to the sheep about how they dealt with one another. Whatever you did for one of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. Jesus hides in plain view. He takes the role oftentimes in our life of the least of these. Come with me, just jump down a few verses late when he's talking to the goats. He says, and they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and we didn't help you? And he'll reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Jesus shows up in everybody's life as the least. I love it when God shows up in his demonstrative power. I love when the Spirit of God moves. I love glory on the church. I love the supernatural moments. I love all that stuff. I am, love that. But that's not the only way God shows up in my life. God shows up oftentimes as the least. I was, the other day, my wife's car, the light came on, one of the tires was, not enough air. And so, because it's cold, and so, you know, it's the season, and so I have a little thing at home, and I pumped the tire, and I pumped it, because I've got a gadget, you know? And I was very proud of my gadget, and my gadget pumped the tire, and it still said the tire's not pumped. So I drove it around a little while, and it still said tire's not pumped, and now I'm late. But I love my wife. So I drive to the, I drive to the gas station, and there's a pump, and it's cold, and I'm late, and I'm pumping this. And a lady walks up to me, and she stands quite a way off, and she, she says something. And I'm looking up over the car, and I can't hear a word she's saying, because I got the So I said, excuse me, she goes, and she says it again, too soft for me to hear. Which for me personally is a real irritant. I'm just, I'm just can I just be honest with, I'll go back to preaching in a little while, I just wanna be honest for a while, is that okay? So I'm like, I'm late, I'm, I'm late, lady. And you're whispering, and you're standing 20 feet away. <laughs> so I finish up, I go, excuse me, and she goes, do you have any spare change in your pocket? I, just, I need something to eat. I, I said, I really don't. 
I said, I don't have any cash with me. So she turns around and she walks away. So I finish up. But you know, I'm, I can't let that stand. So I drive into the, now I'm, now I'm really, so I drive in and I say to her, come let's go get you something to eat. So we walk in and she goes and she orders herself some food which they prepare. And I'm standing around and I, so I buy myself some peppermints because I don't want her to feel like I'm just waiting for her. And, you know, it's just, and because I'm trying to give a lady dignity, I don't want her to feel put out. And they bring her food and I pay for it and we walk out. And she said, thank you. And I said, it's my pleasure. But because I'm late, I jump in my car and I'm gone. And then I read the scripture. And you know, I replayed that moment in my mind a few times. Because Jesus showed up in my life as one of the least of these. Now I was thrilled that I took the time and hate being late, by the way, hate being late. <laughs> so took a moment, served somebody, and was very happy that I served you, nothing wrong. I just thought about it afterwards. If I'd have thought about it in this way, what would I have said to her? Would have been a little kinder, a little more gentle, probably prayed with her, probably just treated her with with uh, great compassion. It wasn't that I was horrible to her, I was kind to her. It's just something on it when you realize Jesus shows up in your life every now and again as one of the least of these. It'll change the way you deal with the least of these around you. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore as you have opportunity do good to all people, but especially those who belong to the household of God. If you have an opportunity in the next month to do good to somebody in the church, jump at it. Because I think Jesus shows up. I've got a theory why he shows up like that. I think the Lord wants to test this moment of devotion. I say, Jesus, you can have it all. He goes, great, I'll see you Thursday. When you're in a rush, and he shows up in the least of these. And he sees if that all meant Thursday morning in the cold when you're rushing. We're called to be like our Father. And our Father loves to love people. And he loves to use you to do it and me. God loves to show mercy to people. Because the whole world is fulfilling the works of the flesh because the Bible says they're under the, the spirit of disobedience, the spirit of the air. The whole world is given over to works of the flesh, to being selfish, to being harsh, to, being, to taking rather than giving. The whole world, the rest of the world who's not in the kingdom of our God is violently pushing against people. That's why people are in the mess they're in. But we who are filled with the Spirit of God should demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit because we are constantly led by the Spirit of God. So love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness should be part of what we act like. Because if we don't act like this, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit in us to give voice to who He is, this world will never see it. So we encourage one another, and this is what the sermon's about, to encourage ourselves to go, hey guys, 
we can go out there because there is this tantalizing idea that what I'm doing for the least of these is, is this happening for Jesus. <laughs> Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the, to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Love and good deeds is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to, according to that scripture, be thinking about, I'm supposed to be thinking about how I can encourage you to do more love and good deeds. And it's not that complicated. Who is my neighbor? Well, who do you think in the story was the neighbor? The one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise. Go and do that. Next thing I want to say is that angels serve among us in plain sight. Jesus shows up in plain sight and so do the angels. Hebrews 13, keep on loving one another. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So the angels sometimes show up in our life, not just in all their glory to make glorious announcements, but sometimes the angels show up looking like strangers. And some people have entertained angels, bought them food, had them in their homes, blessed them, sent them on their way, and never realized they were angels. Now, I don't understand that. I don't know why that has to happen. I have some theories. Why do angels pretend to visit our lives as human beings? I don't know, but the writer of the Hebrew seems to know something. He goes, listen, let me tell you on the secret. This has been around. I've seen this a few times where angels, people, and then they found out afterwards they were angels. It seems to me that part of the angel's service is in plain sight as looking like they're people. Perhaps they wanna see us in our work clothes. They see us in our Sunday best. Perhaps they want to see me in my dungarees. What do you really like? I get to live my life and Jesus shows up in different roles. He shows up in the least of these, in the most needy of others, in the people that I know the least about, people I'm the, the least like. He shows up in the, those who can't defend themselves. He shows up in, in people who I, I don't know much about, but he shows up in my life and he's, and he's eager and he's hungry to see what I do to the least. And angels show up as strangers. And sometimes our actions towards strangers reverberates in eternity. And all of that is beautiful, but it's another thing that I should add to my list of things that I ought to be doing. And I just, as I was preparing this message, I just, can't, I just need to take a pause right here. In the last two weeks, I've had multiple people speaking to me about their place they're in right now and it's tough and they're tired almost to the point of exhaustion where they're going 
can somebody just stop the world? I need to get off for a couple of weeks. You know, I, I just need a break. I, I need a step. I, I, it's been a long, hard battle. We've been pushing through. And when we thought it was over, it just hit another wave hit us and another wave hit us and then another wave hit us. And then we put up the white flag and then the white flag was drowned under another wave. And so I've had a lot of people just in the real circumstances of their life, in the real issues going, Greg, can, you, can we just, is, where's, the, where's the stop the ride button? Can we just hit that? And um, if I knew where that was, I would, have, I would have pushed it a while back, you know, a couple of times in my life. But this is what I do know. That before we, we run out of this room to go and do, the Lord wants to pour into us. And I had such a sense over this morning that the Lord wanted to pour into us grace and kindness and mercy and refreshing. But mostly he wants to pour his love into us. He wants to pour a massive flood, a deluge of his heart. And I hope that at the end of this meeting that we are so loaded up with the love of God that wherever you walk, you can't help but the overflow drip onto other people. That's what I'm hoping. And so the question is, how do we get there? Our team here were joking with me earlier today and they said, you know, you haven't preached for two weeks, you're probably loaded for bear. You know, we should, we should add half an hour to the, to the meeting time because Greg hasn't preached for a while. And actually, I think the opposite is true. I'm gonna stop preaching pretty soon because if I had a magic wand and could wave it, this is what I would do. I would have us pause and soak and drink in the presence of God and I'd have people bring the real places in your heart and the real cry of your heart and the real urgency of your spirit and the real need that you're in and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to show up in my life. I don't need another inspiring talk. I don't need to be roused again. What I need is to meet with the living God. And I need the grace of God to fill up the places where I have a lack. And I need the mercy of God to cover the places of my weaknesses. And I need the love of God to suffuse me. I need to be filled with your love. Because I'm hoping that as you walk out of this place today, the mercy and the grace and the love of God has so touched your life that you can't help but drip onto other people that you meet. Is that fair? So that's the next 15 minutes of this meeting, right there. 1 John, we love because he first loved us. So I, I, that mechanism and that principle is, I'm not asking you to go out and just love, 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 love with a great abandon. I'm saying I want you to drink deep of the love of God so that you can pour it out. God sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice of our sins to destroy any obstacle that stood between us and him. He paid any debts that we'd incurred and he gave us this brand new life as brand new creatures, new creations in fact. And we love God because he first loved us and we love others because God loved them first too. And I can't let that previant love of God that he's poured out into my life attain only to me. I have to, I have to then turn and give it out to other people. 
When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he didn't mean that he'd run his race and his life was over. It wasn't a cry of termination, it was a cry of triumph. It meant that he'd redeemed a race of people, that he'd achieved a great victory over the world, that he destroyed the rule of the enemy, and he had achieved in every aspect of his life an eternal, undisputed Lord status. He's now crowned the king eternal and immortal and invisible. He's established as the great high priest forever. He's handed the right to judge all the living and the dead. He is the firstborn from among the dead. He is supreme in every conceivable way. And through my identity and your identification with him, because you were sealed in him when you believed, you have become strong because of his strength. You have become victorious because of his victory. You have become righteous because he did the right thing. And you have become loving because of his love. Amen. And so one of the best ways that I can know I've drunk deeply enough of the love of God is, is it overflowing through me to other people? Can I love beyond my nationality or my theology or my status or my discomfort or my busyness? <laughs> See, at the very center of all creation, folks, whatever else you hear, hear this. At the very center of all creation, there is a throne. And on that throne, there is a Lord. Looks like a lamb that has been slain. Self-giving, sacrificial, unselfish love, perpetual, unending, and overwhelming love is at the center of this universe. And that is the king that you're called to serve. And that's the place that we're called to go when we have need. That's the king. And perhaps it's because we're at the end of two taxing years, but it looks to me like people are dragging. We're a little tired, we're a little battle weary. We've been at the heart of the battle, some of us, for a while. Not one ounce of that worries me because of who we serve. So the call this morning is not to do more, but to come and get more. Come and get more. Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, but without sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We come to a high priest who is able to sympathize with everything that we're going through. You know why? Because he's gone through it already. He's gone through the same pressures. He's gone through the same temptations. He's faced the same lie that you face from the enemy. He has been there. We do not come to a high priest unable to sympathize, but he understands exactly where you are, except that he never sinned in the middle of that. And so the Bible says, so come boldly. Come with confidence because you know that to be true about the God that you serve. Come to him and say, Lord, I know you get this, and I, I'm, but I need your help. I need your mercy. 
mercy. I need your grace. And so it says, come to the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and find grace. And so my question to you is, what mercy do you need? What grace right now are you desperate for? Well able to sympathize with our weaknesses and eager to pour out mercy on our failures and grace on our brokenness. So we're gonna do exactly what that scripture invites us to do. Exactly what it says. You're in a time of need, then you approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and find grace for this time of need. Ephesians 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Paul said, I'm praying that you get strengthened by the Holy Spirit in your inner man and that you get rooted and established in the love of God and that you have then power to grasp. He gives you power to grasp the dimensions of his love and that you then experience that love that will blow your mind. It'll go, the, the understanding of that love is bigger than you can comprehend, but you can still get your arms around it. Your spirit can lay hold of something that your mind cannot conceive. So in the next 10 minutes, I'm asking you to sit back and receive and drink in and let the river that the Lord spoke about it just, just, just overflow you. And you can drink as much grace and as much mercy and as much love as you need. You can say, Lord, more. I am so hungry. Friends, I could say, I, I could stand up here and try and preach a, a, a more uh, energetic message. I could try and be more eloquent in the delivery, but I don't have any faith in my abilities. What I have absolute faith in is in the next 10 minutes that our King is going to move among us and He's going to come and visit with you. And every hungry heart in this place will receive mercy and grace and a rooting in the love of God and an understanding of love that your brain won't conceive. So I'm going to ask the worship team to just lead us. I'm going to pray a prayer. The worship team's going to lead us. And we're going to just worship our King just very gently. And I invite you to just close your eyes, sit back. Because I banked the whole message, banked the whole morning on this moment right here. Because I'm trusting the most faithful person in the universe to do what he said he'd do. So Lord, I know you love your people and so I'm welcoming you, Lord. I pray, Lord, by your spirit that you'd move among us in glory. Lord, there's so many of us, Lord, who need your mercy 
need your grace. Need to experience your love, Lord. And I'm praying, Lord, that in this moment that you'd minister to people in Jesus' name. If after about five minutes, some of the elders feel like you, there's something the Lord, someone that the Lord's put his, on your heart, you, you're welcome to get up. And I'm gonna ask no one else to move, please, but the elders are welcome to minister in, after about five minutes. Thanks. Sometimes we sing songs that um, focus our attention on how much we love the Lord. We sing songs like, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. But I really think the gift, the true gift of being able to sing to him, to tell him that you love him, is actually to receive his love for you. So we're going we're gonna to love on Jesus. Sing some songs. But I would hate for you to miss the moment. I'd hate for you to miss the gift of the moment. And that's this. That for all the love and the affection that you can heave at him, he's heaving it times a million towards you. This is a privilege and an honor. This is a privilege and an
inhabit the praises of your people as we sing. I love you, Lord. Yeah, and I lift my voice this morning to Yeah, worthy is your 
can try that with me this morning. Yeah, my heart burns for you. Yeah, my heart, it really burns sing that with me. Yeah, my heart burns for you. If you need to stand up, if you need to lift your hands, you can do whatever you got to do. But I just want you to say, my heart singing this um, this morning during rehearsal but um, it's not in English <laughs> but I grew up actually singing this song it's really really simple I want to try it if it's okay tu fidelita es grande Tu fidelidad, incomparable. Yeah. 
Nadie como tú Bendito Dios Yes, I love that Grande Tu fidelidad I love the faith One more time Yeah, we say Tu fidelidad Es grande We say Tu fidelidad Incomparable Es Nadie como tú, bendito Dios, grande tu fidelidad. Thank you, Lord. Something about getting to hear your song in its native tongue. Jesus, this is all for you. Can we just lift our hands this morning? Jesus, this is all for you. This is for your fame and for your glory. This is for your reverence. This is for your honor. Father, we receive your peace. It's all over the room. We drink deep of mercy, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and receive mercy. And we can find grace. Lord, we just, we just take a healthy portion of mercy and a healthy dose of grace. And, and we drink deep of your love. And we're asking, Lord, that you give us more than we need. So when we walk out into this week, that mercy and grace, and most especially your love, overflows to many around us. We love, Lord, because you first loved us. And how can we thank you enough for that? I pray, Lord, that you repair every person in the room who's had a tough, tough, Lord, windings and scarrings and Redeem it, Lord. For every person in the room, Lord, who's felt like that they're at the end, just give them a gift of energy and hope. For every person, Lord, who's felt like they're far away from you, would you, would you grab them to your breast and hold them tight? And Lord, would you restore to us again the whispered voice of our Father. Comfort, comfort your people. And say to Jerusalem, your sins are forgiven and has been paid in full. What can we say, Lord, to you but give you praise? Thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen.